Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Before Joe and Leanne go, or before Leanne goes, Joe's not going. <laughs> but <laughs> we'll dismiss the kids here in just a minute. But um, last week we uh, we we did a, a a thing and we introduced everyone who's been helping out. And there were some names that we people that weren't here, and so I have a little gift for them. So Joe and Leanne, come on up here. Joe helps out with men's ministry. Leanne helps in Sunday school and with the ladies. So it's just a thank you card. I wrote the note in there, so if you need um, uh, interpretation, let me know. I will I'll be happy to give it. No one else has asked me, so <laughs> apparently everyone else can read my handwriting. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You guys, thank you. It's awesome. I love it when people help out. And just because there's people helping out doesn't necessarily mean that there's no um, place for you to fit in. There's definitely a place somewhere, and it doesn't have to be just Sunday school. There's other things. Um, so before the kids go, one last thing. Levi Hansen, you were up here last week. I gave you Levi. I just have a certificate to give you. That's it. <laughs> he got the blanket. He got the blanket last week. He got baptized, um, and so uh, Darlene makes a, yeah, give him a hand clap. I mean, it's exciting when someone gets baptized. We're supposed to rejoice. <laughs> um, so a couple of announcements. Next Sunday is the Children's Christmas Store. So if you brought your stuff, awesome. If you haven't, make sure it's here before Sunday. Uh, but that'll be next Sunday, so the kids will have fun getting to get gifts for their family. Um, and then youth this Wednesday, 11 to 18, or 17, 11 to 17. Um, you can come for youth this Wednesday. We'll be here at the church, meet here. And they're getting pizza, so um, it's going to be a good time. Um, and then if you are wondering about any dates or special times for, like, Christmas, if you just go to the church website, myhope.life, you will find it there. And now I'm going to dismiss all the kids, because I forgot to do that after the baptismal certificate. <laughs> kids go to Sunday school. <laughs> um, so I just need a, someone to help me. Yeah, come on, Carl. You can help me pass these out. Joe. You want to just pass those out to everyone? Um, it has the uh, link on the top if you want to put that in, and it'll open up the notes that I have um, in Version Bible. You can go to the website, myhope.life forward slash sermons, and there's a little button there, the black button that says notes, I think. Something like that. I can't remember what I put, but it's something like that. So if you want the, all the notes, there you go. Ah, all right. Well... I, uh, I, I don't know, so it says Christmas, right? So it's almost Christmas time. I mean, it, it depends on your, your, your philosophy of when Christmas is and when you start decorating for Christmas. Some people are like not till after Thanksgiving and some people are like early October, they're already decorating for Christmas. So um, <laughs> there, was, there was one year, um, uh, the year of coronavirus, the year that, that it plagued us, thank you, um, we, uh, 
we bought a new Christmas tree and set it up before Halloween. So, you know, it was just a good time, having a good old, <laughs> good old time, early, early October. So, and then it stayed up, I think, uh, probably until March, because it was a lot of work to take down. Um, and we just didn't do it. <laughs> I feel like Christmas trees, they should just, we should just leave the tree up and just, you know, change out the ornaments for the holiday or the time of the year. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about cre uh, Christmas. Christmas. Let's talk about it. So the reason for Christmas, it's not the gifts, it's not the meals or the family time. As much as we all want it to be about the gifts and getting the new toys and all those things, I guess I'm not talking to a bunch of kids. No one in here wants a new, a new toy or a gadget for Christmas. I love new toys and gadgets. <laughs> but um, it's not about those. It's not about the family time that we spend together. It's not about the meals. But really the reason for Christmas is found in the name Christ. Jesus Christ is the reason for Christmas. And so throughout this series, I want to look and move away from the gifts and the trees and everything else and just look at what the gift was. And so it starts out early for Christmas. I like to, for the past couple of years, I have looked, I've, you'll see, I like Malachi. It, it, it's the last book of the Old Testament. And in, um, and in that book, it kind of talks, it, you see God talking to his people and the responses from his people. So what do we do when God corrects us? Nobody likes correction. How many of you remember your parents correcting you as a child and you were like, oh, I loved it. No one else in here gets corrected. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, these right here, maybe you've heard the story. And as soon as you see these teeth, you're like, oh, I, I know exactly what he's going to tell. I was, I was in Sunday school, and I had gone to Chuck E. Cheese, and I had won my points. And I got my vampire teeth. <laughs> and I was so excited. They don't really fit me anymore. <laughs> and uh, I remember putting them in during Sunday school, and the teacher says, put those in one more time, and you're going to sit with your parents. And I was like, okay, I won't do it anymore. Well, you know me. <laughs> of course. One more time, they went into my mouth, and I tried to hide it from her, and she saw it, and she was like, go upstairs. I wish my grandma was here. Um, she wasn't feeling the greatest this morning, and she's just been moving and doing a lot of stuff since my family was here, and, um, but uh, I went up. She was taking care of the nursery at the time, and I went up there, and I saw grandma, and I was like, hey, grandma, just wanted to come say hi. You can't tell me grandma didn't know I wasn't supposed to be in Sunday school. She knew I was supposed to be in Sunday school, but grandma was letting me slide. Maybe she'd say something different if she was here today, but she's not here. But I'm pretty sure she was letting me slide. And so afterwards, I remember the lady, she came and she told me, she was like, did you go see your, mom, your, your dad? I was like, yep. I lied to her. And uh, you know what? I've carried that for a long time. But also I'm like, I mean, look at me now, like, I'm a pastor. I can wear my vampire teeth when I preach. <laughs> Take that, <laughs> Sunday school teacher. <laughs> For all the kids in there that was like, the teacher said, no, go be a pastor and do this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, anyways, I still got in trouble, but it wasn't from my parents. I carried that with me for a long time, and you would think, like, why would you think about the vampire teeth? There was a conference I went to, and she was there. And I was like, I have to tell her. I've told this story so many times. And I went and told her, and I was like, hey, you remember those vampire teeth? And she was like, no. 
How can you not remember such a memorable moment in your Sunday school class? Like you had something else that was more important than my vampire teeth. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I never actually went and sat with my parents. <laughs> and she's like, oh, yes, your sins will find you out. <laughs> That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. But a lot of times when we get corrected, she told me to stop putting the vampire teeth in my mouth. And I was like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And a lot of times when God corrects us, we argue with it and we struggle with it. And so in Malachi chapters 1 through 4, we see God was questioned, doubted, and his temple desecrated. And in many of the responses, you see that they're arguing with God. The very first verse in Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, a pronouncement, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you ask, how have you loved us? The children of Israel asked God as he said, I have loved you. They responded with, but how have you loved us? Like they, they had seen all the greatness of God. They had seen for generations, they had heard of how the, how the, the waters had been rolled back at the, at the um, Red Sea. They had seen God lead them through and provide for them and, and then bring them into their land, into their promised land. And now they're at this point where they're like, but how have you loved us? Have you ever asked the question, but God, how have you loved me? And if it's okay, if you have, like, I've asked those questions, God, how have you loved me? Like, why do you love me? Do you, do you really care about me? If you cared about me, why would I be going through this? And I've asked these questions before, but they continue to do things. They offered sacrifices that were not acceptable. God has a standard and his standard doesn't change or fluctuate with the world. What the world says doesn't mean that that's what God says. What God says is in his word. And we've got to make sure that our lives line up with the word of God. And so his standard has always been what he says. But yet they offered sacrifices that were unacceptable. And there was a certain standard of sacrifice that they had to do. And they were refusing to do it. But not only that, the priests were going around and, and allowing this to happen. They were continuing and partaking in it. So the priests were corrupt too. So we see that people... What they did in that day, many of us continue in the same manner. And I'm not trying to like say, hey, you need to do something for God. But the reality is, is many times we put God on a back burner. We put him on the side because all of my goals, ambitions, plans, desires, gifts, memories, things like that become central focus. The whole purpose of Christmas isn't necessarily to, it's not to decorate a Christmas tree. If you want to decorate it, it's fine. People will argue, and I'm sure that there may be one person here today will be like, well, Christmas is pagan. Um, you know what? I don't care. You know what? If you want to think it's pagan, that's between you and God. But I believe that I'm going to celebrate Jesus Christ. I do it every day. Um, but uh, on this day, I'm going to take a special time, and I'm going to make sure that I recognize what Jesus has done. And so I'm not doing it to another God. It's very much not pagan if you have, have a central focus of Jesus Christ. But our world would sell you something different. It's about the gifts. Look at the holiday marketing. Right at Thanksgiving. Football games. I mean, it gets crazy about trying to get you to buy. But it's not only just you, your kids. They're advertising to you. Shoot, I scroll Facebook and I see things I want. Facebook knows me better than I know myself. <laughs> I'm scrolling. Oh, I've never seen this before. Yes, I do want that. I cannot get that. <laughs> uh, does anyone else have that problem? I just struggle with those things. <laughs> Something new. Your sister 
So we set up false gods in our lives. We set up addictions, pride, uh, self-love, self-ambition, the things that we want to do. We set those above God. And so in a sense, we have become pagan society. And so I want to make sure at, at this time of Christmas, let's all make sure that Jesus Christ is the center of our lives. And throughout the book of Malachi, you see how they had put God on a back burner, that he wasn't the central focus, that it wasn't about bringing the best to him anymore. It wasn't about doing the best that they could to serve him, but rather to put things on the back burner. Malachi 2.8 says, you, on the other hand, have turned from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instructions. You have violated the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of Armies. So there's something really important in this scripture right here. The, he wasn't talking to just everyone. He was talking to the high priest at this time. He was talking to the priests, the ones that were doing temple service. And he was telling them that you, on the other hand, have turned from the way. You have caused many to stumble. It says in the New Testament that there isn't a high priest over us anymore. That there's, I'm not like super special or anything like that. I don't have any super special abilities or you know, I don't walk into the holiest of holies like the priest did. I don't sacrifice animals like the priest did. But there was something going on here with the body. And there was the leadership in, the, in that day was selling something that wasn't true, but it wasn't causing just them to stumble. It was causing all the people underneath them. And this one scripture causes me to reflect the importance that I have in making sure that I preach the word of God. I don't want to cause anyone to stumble. So if you teach, if you preach, if you do anything, do it in the name of Jesus. Because you can't go wrong if you're doing it in the name of Jesus. If you will follow his word, if you will follow what he says to do, I promise you, you won't go wrong in serving him. You won't cause people to stumble. So what if the last time God corrected you was the last time? And maybe you're like, I don't really know what correction is from God. Okay, I'm glad you asked. Correction is conviction. You're like, okay, cool, another word. I'm not really sure what that word means. That's okay. Conviction is when God moves on your life and you're like, I've been doing this my whole life. Why do I feel like I need to change? Why, why do I feel like God says that I should change? Why do I, when I read God's word, there's something that pricks my heart and causes me to feel a need to change in my life? That's conviction. If you're going around, and I talked about addiction, pride, self-love, things like that. If you're going around and you're struggling with those things, it's my hope that when you walk in here and you hear the word of God preached, that God would convict you and you'd be like, oh, man, that one thing that I'm doing. Okay, I should probably not do that anymore. That is, that is the importance of us to follow what God is leading. And so what if God gave you an opportunity, but you didn't act on it? There have been times in my life where God corrected me. And I did not act on it. And I wished I had because it would have changed some of the things that I had done in my life. I'm not going to go into the details of all the things that I've done. But the thing is, is when God corrects us, we should act on it. In Malachi 4 verse 5, it says, look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So in this book, when Malachi was the last prophet, there was 400 years of silence where God did not reveal anything about himself, where he didn't raise up any prophets until 
Jesus came. So this is 400 years. When you go from Malachi to reading about baby Jesus, that's about 400 years. Um, and so in this time, one thing that's important, that with God's correction came promise. So when God does not just leave you in the place that he brings you out of, but rather he gives you a promise and encourages you. And so in this passage here, we see that God had corrected them. They questioned him and he was angry at them because he was, they were desecrating the temple. They were teaching false doctrine. The priests were causing people to stumble and all of these things. And you're like, wow, that really sounds like today. <laughs> You can jump on YouTube for a few minutes and you can find false prophets, you can find false teachers, you can find anything that they were talking about in the day. And you're like, well, Zach, how do we know you're not? Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to try my very, very, very best to not be one. I'm gonna, I don't want to be one. I'm going to preach the word of God and that's the only standard that there is. But when you get someone who preaches, you know, out of a textbook or you get someone who preaches someone's opinion or things like that, then you start twisting the word of God to fit what you want it to fit and make it what you want it to be. And that's not what we're to do. We're supposed to fit our lives to the word of God. That means that there's change. So let's talk about this time of silence. So around 400 years, God was silent and doesn't reveal anything, but his promise still stood. What do you do when God is silent? Have you ever thought about that? Like you've prayed and God has remained silent. You pray, God, I need help, and God is silent. You, you pray and ask God for an answer, and he's silent. Why, God, are you silent? But in that moment, in that time that he was silent, that 400 years, things were preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And so his people were undeserving of a promise, but he gave a promise. I'm undeserving of salvation, yet I have a promise in Jesus Christ. I'm undeserving of everything that I have, but I have a promise in Jesus. Doesn't that just do something for you? Doesn't that just, when you call to remembrance, the fact that you have a promise, a hope, a life, a promise of strength, that he's the great I am, he's the everlasting father, he's the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, mighty God. When I think about that, that was Jesus Christ. That's what Isaiah was prophesying in Isaiah, I think, chapter 6, verse 9 through a few of them. <laughs> so God's always been faithful. He's never let his people down. He's never led his people astray. I can look at the word of God and I can know that God does not change, that he's God and he changes not, that, that, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And sometimes people are like, well, I like, I like the God in the New Testament. Like, he's different. He's not different. God is God in the New Testament that was God in the Old Testament. He's fulfilling promises. He's the same God. He's a God that judges. He's a God that loves. He's a God that provides. He hasn't changed at all. And so he's always faithful to his promise. So during the time of silence, that's when the first synagogue was built. That is when the Pharisees began to teach their law and regarded it higher than the law of God. When you get to Mark chapter 7, you'll read where, where Jesus addresses this and says that you, you serve God with your lips, but your heart is far from me. 
I don't want to just give God lip service. I want it to be about my heart. When your heart is in position, that is when God begins to shape and to mold. But when it's just our lips, we don't really have a true relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want it to just be what I say, but I want my actions, my heart, everything to align with what God wants. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. This is the promise coming. And so in verse 5, it says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. <clears throat> God is always faithful to his promise. This is one of the coolest things that probably in my later years of life came to the realization. I didn't realize that Zechariah was part of the priesthood. I didn't realize this right here. Uh, Zechariah, his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Aaron was the high priest. There was a covenant given to the tribe of Levi that they would be the ones God used in the temple. And they were the ones that were responsible for all the temple service. They were also, if I understand it correctly, the ones that God was addressing in Malachi that he said, you have caused people to stumble. And God is fulfilling his promise with the tribe of Levi in spite of their disobedience to him. God is a God of his word. He doesn't take it back. He doesn't change it because you changed. He's God and he doesn't change. But me, I'm human and I do a lot of things different every day. So remember that, that God does not change and his promises are still true. And that if we will follow him, and it says they were living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. In this passage, it shows if you're faithful to God, he will be faithful to you. I want to be faithful to my God. And so this scripture is powerful because you see that God is fulfilling his promise in the tribe of Levi, but also the promise that he would send a savior. Listen, let's jump down to verses 8 through 20. So it says, when his division was on duty and he was serving as high priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. Think about that for a moment. Verse 12, where we stopped. Got to remember that. He was overcome with fear because he saw the angel of the Lord. It's been 400 years. And Zechariah is the first one to see something, to hear something from God. Think about that for just a moment. His fear that arose in him, like, I ain't ever seen anything like this. Like, this is the story that great, 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 great grandpa told me. Like, I can't believe that I'm actually 
Because could you imagine the honor that it would be? So I can understand the fear that he felt like, whoa, this is scary. In verse 13, it says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. And maybe the first thing that goes to your mind is, why are we talking about Jesus? You said this is about Christmas, right? But before Jesus was John, there was a purpose. And before you get to Jesus, you have to understand the promise and the pathway that Jesus was taking, that God was fulfilling in this, and he had to use John to prepare the way. And so you get to come to church today because God has a plan and a purpose. You get to, you get to be here today and experience his power, his presence because of his purpose and that he loves you and cares for you. Do you think that you would not feel his presence as we say, shout Jesus from the mountains, shout Jesus in the streets, shout Jesus over my family, over every, every enemy. Like when I think about that and I think about shouting Jesus over my family, shouting Jesus over my church, when I speak that name, demons tremble because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm thankful for the name of Jesus. And at that name, demons tremble. Just think when you can call that name, he's fulfilling promise in your life. So verse 14, there will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Now, pause here for just a moment. It said that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. There's like some cool things like for next week, but you got to wait till next week for that one. <laughs> There's some cool things that happen. But in, in, anyway, um, when I think about this little portion right here, that says he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you go back and you look at like when prophets would, would rise up and their conversations that they had with God as God rose them up and you see them filled with God's spirit. When you see, um, I think it's uh, Isaiah, when it talks about how he was, someone, someone can Google it and tell me if I'm wrong, but it's that one um, where uh, the seraphims, you know, flew around, and then, like, he touched his lips with coal. Like, I'm sure you guys know this. I'm sure maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. And so I just need someone to, like, Google it and tell me, and I'll tell you the scriptures you can read. <laughs> but it's so powerful that, that um, what God does and how he feels his prophets and prepares his prophets with his spirit. And so verse 17, it says, And he will go before him, and the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Verse 18 says, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. First thing he does, he asks a question. Malachi, the last prophet, writes almost exactly those words. Let's look at it. In Malachi chapter 4, and verse 5, it says, look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of their fathers and children and hearts of their children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. And in that very passage right there, what the angel says is almost verbatim what the last prophet wrote. 
And I know those guys were smart back in the day, and they read and they memorized scripture. Someone had to know the last thing that was written. And in this passage here, the angel says almost exactly what Malachi says. And verse 18, it says, how can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. It goes just right back to Malachi. And when God said something, they questioned. Haven't, don't you know I love you? How have you loved us, God? They began to question the word of God. They were receiving a message from God. And they questioned everything that he said. And here is Zechariah. The first time in 400 years hearing the voice of God, hearing God giving a message to his people, saying, I'm sending my prophet. Someone is being risen up again. Like, wouldn't that be exciting? But Zechariah questions, how can I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. In a very instant, he doubts the ability of God. Now, you can say, well, God was silent for 400 years. Wouldn't you doubt God's ability? Like he was silent and allowed all this thing to happen. The, the Jewish people, they get, into, um, they get into captivity. Like all of this stuff happens in these 400 years. And don't you think that, that maybe they struggled with believing that God was able? Because it didn't seem like he was able. Like the Romans are now over them, ruling over them. Like doesn't it sound like maybe God wasn't able? So like maybe he had a right to question. Thing was is... He was a faithful one, as what the scripture said before, but yet he st it still caused him to question. In verse 20, it says, now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. To me, this is so powerful, looking at those scriptures and seeing how Malachi 4, 5 relates to verse 17, 400 years later, the angel of the Lord is speaking what was prophesied in Malachi. Like, that's, that's amazing to me. Like, that, that blows my mind. But in this, it triggered his questioning, and it triggered his doubt, and it made him begin to question, well, well God, why? Like, my, my wife is old. There's no way we can have a kid. There's none of this. But just like it was in the days of Malachi, questioning begins to take place. But you know what? The beauty is in this is that this did not stop the promise. This didn't say, well, because you questioned me, I'm not going to use you. I'm not going to use your family. I'm not going to fulfill my promise. In spite of the questioning, in spite of that, the promise was still going to take place. He was still going to use the people that he intended to use. And so when you are all messed up and you are all tore up and God is correcting you, remember in his correction, there is promise. In his conviction, there is promise. As I follow Jesus Christ, as I pursue him, the promise is being fulfilled. So what do we do when God is silent? Oh, who answered? Don't steal my point. <laughs> My thing was we wait, but man, the next thing was going to be like, we just have to trust that God is going to <laughs> fulfill. Don't, don't steal my points, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we have to wait on him. When he's silent, we wait. And in this passage here, in this, in this time, they kind of started doing things the way they wanted to do them. The synagogues took place. Now, Jesus taught in the synagogue 
He wasn't not going to use it. He, he, he corrected the Pharisees later on in his life. And you're like, you're talking about old Jesus, not little baby Jesus. Okay, hold on. But in all the things that took place, the roads that the Romans built, Jesus walked on. His disciples. Um, the trade routes that were established, Paul used later on as missionary routes to reach you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people and traveled like over like 10,000 miles or something like that in all of his missionary uh, journeys. So God, when, we're, when God is silent, we are to wait. We are to fully trust that he is able, that he is going to fulfill. And the one thing that we can draw to our remembrance is that God has always been faithful. In the moments that you thought he wasn't, he was really just preparing the way. He was preparing the time. And, and, and in this year, 400 years, God speaks and then, bam, silence happens again. So we have to wait. We live like God is going to do his perfect work. We maintain the standard of his word. Look at, look at Zechariah and his wife. They were living as they were following the commands of God. So as a Christian, I should be living and following the commands of God. I should be following what he instructs for me. I should set my standard as the standard that God has, not the standard that the world has. It's not just any way that I want it. It's not the Burger King style, have it your way. It's God's way. I can't have it any other way. So God's silence was not because he hated his people. His silence in your life is not because he hates you, but maybe he is preparing you for the ministry, the place that he wants to take you, for the person that you're going to talk to. He's preparing you. You see, even in the night, God is working. In the midnight hour, God is working. When it seems you're at your lowest, God is working. When it seems you're depressed more than ever, God is working. When you're anxious and worried about tomorrow, God is still in tomorrow working and doing what he needs to do for you. So you've got to remind yourself that the promise is still being fulfilled. I've just got to keep waiting. I've just got to keep trusting and following Jesus. That's the only thing that I can do. God's silence wasn't because he hated. His silence was to prepare the way. Even in silence, he's working. He's doing what he needs to do. So don't be discouraged by his silence, but rather seek to continue in his faithfulness and know that God does not change, that he will continue to work. So the whole purpose of Christmas isn't to get a gift, but there was a gift that was given. There was many gifts that were given on the day that Jesus was born. And as I go through this series, I want us to call to remembrance the importance of following Jesus. Because the greatest gift that we can have is to look forward to the fellowship that I get to have with my Lord and Savior is to look to forward to the day that he will catch his church away. And maybe you're like, well, I've heard that for time and time again. Preachers get up and preach about the last days. Preachers get up and preach about, you know, the, 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 the God will catch his church away. But I just have a hard time believing that. But the reality is, just look at the word of God. Look at the things that Jesus said in, later on in Matthew. And, and look at what he said about how watch so that you know the day and, and look and be concerned about what's going on in your world. We should pray and seek God more 
than ever. The Bible says, forsake not the gathering of your brother together and do it more as you see the day of God approach. So we should gather. Well, I'm not going to say this, but we should gather more. Like we should, we should be in each other's homes. We should be fellowshipping. We should be, because the only way you can iron sharpen iron is if you talk to someone. If you don't talk to the person next to you, it's going to be real hard to be sharpened by the word of God because you're like, well, I just get to do it my own way. Man, you know what? I have sharpened a knife before. And I will tell you what. I make that thing duller than it was before. <laughs> you got to get the angle just right. And I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> so we should follow God in everything. We, we should follow him. He should set the standard for our life. What if the last time God gave you correction was the last time? As we look at the day, we see that we are battling the spirit of the age, the Antichrist in our everyday lives. We're told that it's my goals, my ambitions, and my dreams. I can be what I want to be. We forsake following God. We forsake setting him up as our central focus in our lives. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, that's not me. That's okay. Good. But call it to remembrance that you're doing, you're living your life for Jesus. That there's nothing else. There's no other reason. But it's, it's, it's selfless. God, I want to serve you. You saved my life. You brought me out of a life of sin and addiction. I want to thank you. I'm going to serve you with everything that I've got. There is still a promise to gather his church. God's not been silent. He's still speaking today. God's still been speaking in our lives. He's still been reaching people's lives. There's that song. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. At that name, I can call him in the midnight hour. His promise will be filled. There's still a promise of the end of the days. There's still a promise that God will catch his church away. There's still a promise and God is still speaking today. He's still reaching. He's still correcting. He's still loving because we serve a God that does not change. We serve a God that will always fulfill his promises. But what if we came to a point when it was our last chance? Will we look back on the silence that we felt in our lives? Or will we hold to his promise and say, I know that my God is able. I know that my God is able. As this song plays, if you've got struggles in your life, if you are struggling with something in your life, I know this, that in the midnight hour, God is able I know this, that in spite of everything, God is able. That he is our way maker, our miracle worker. God, I pray that you would move in this place right now, God, that you would touch every heart, that you would strengthen us, God, in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, if you want prayer, why don't you come up here and join me at the front, and let's just seek God right now. Yeah.
worship you, we magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I worship you. Hallelujah. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that's who you are. Oh, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that's who you are. Hallelujah. I know him as my way maker, my miracle worker. Maybe you in church and sometimes you're like, I don't know what to talk to people about. I just get into the generics like, how's the weather thing? So maybe these are deeper questions than you would like to discuss with someone. But on the bottom of that sheet, I've been putting questions for reflection. And that's something you can talk about with someone. It will be, you will struggle, I believe, in your relationship with God if the people that we go to church with, if the people that we are surrounded by, we don't have a relationship with. Because I just got done talking about being rooted. And I want to be rooted with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That means when I talk about something, I want iron to sharpen iron. I want, I want you to... I want you to help me refine the edge because with God's word, that's the only way we can do that. So there's two questions at the bottom of that sheet for some reflection for you. Talk about it with your family, with, with someone you feel uh, that you can talk about it. Maybe it's not that big of a question for you. It says, when, when was the last time you felt the correcting conviction of God? And how did you respond to it? Two simple questions. Me and my wife try and answer these questions. And sometimes I struggle with telling my wife things that I'm convicted by. Because that means if I'm convicted, that means I have to change. And nobody really likes change. <laughs> but even in those moments, it's powerful. I thank God for everything that he's doing. I thank God for you today. I thank you for being here. Um, talk to someone, tell someone hello. Give someone a high five, shake someone's hand, do something, tell someone hello, you're dismissed. Have a great day, God bless.